Hello and welcome to the March 15th edition of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always by Dean Rule in Stillwater. Dean, it's Wednesday morning. We're about eight hours or so away from OSU's opener in the NIT tournament. Uh, they are the overall number one seed. However, you think they're going to have their hands full tonight in their first round game. Explain yourself. Yeah, I think uh, obviously the top seed that 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 carries enough kind of cachet to, to probably make a run in this tournament. But at the same time, I think they're in a unique situation because they're going on the road for this game, Patrick, and, and they're playing Youngstown State, who really is probably should have been in the NCAA tournament just because of, you know, that they're coming out of the Horizon League, which is going to be a one-bid league for uh, for March Madness play. So they had a 15 and five conference record, a crazy efficient offense. Everything kind of pointed to they were going to get the the one bid from the Horizon League, and they got upset by Northern Kentucky in the semifinals of the conference tournament. Yada yada yada. They end up getting getting into the NIT, and so they're going to be hosting this game, Patrick, because OSU has some staffing issues uh, with it being spring break in college and they're hosting the NCAA wrestling championships in Tulsa women are going on the road for the NCAA tournament so OSU basketball is going up to Youngstown State and and, and I think what you have to look at here Patrick is motivations for both teams I'm not saying OSU doesn't want to be there I think that's the incorrect take to have in this situation but Youngstown State gets to now host a power five school and Patrick I had a I emailed with the Youngstown State SID today. This is the first time they have hosted a Power 5 school since 1993. 30 years. <laughs> now, he he also added in that, that they technically hosted West Virginia three years ago, but that was in their downtown arena. This is going to be the first time they've had a Power 5 school on campus uh, for a basketball game. So it's this little, you know, 6,000-seat arena they're giving away free tickets to students. I think that OSU is going to walk into a pretty crazy environment. And I think that having these games on campus, especially for a super small school like Youngstown State, I think there's some there's some extra incentive there. And there's something to play for that that the Penguins, it's their mascot, Patrick, I love that, that the Penguins <laughs> are kind of in, in a situation where, where I think they're really going to Try hard. Not that OSU's not going to try, but OSU's walking into a buzzsaw a, a little bit. Maybe that's not the right one. Maybe buzzsaw is not the way to describe it. But I think Youngstown State's going to bring their A game, and, and I'm interested to see what OSU brings because OSU's a team that was dead set on making the NCAA tournament as well. And what kind of where are they going to be motivation wise, and, and where's Youngstown State going to be motivation wise, especially OSU playing kind of shorthanded with so many injuries right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, why don't you update us real quick on the injury situation? So Avery Anderson, he is not as far along as they had hoped, so he will not play Wednesday. And if they win, uh, or if they win tonight on Wednesday, excuse me, um, they're, they're going to continue to reevaluate. But there's no timetable for him to return. And with them being in the NIT, I assume it's not going to be something OSU really um, – fast tracks to get him back for for, for the rest of the season. Um, Chris Harris Jr., he went down against OU. You could tell was, it was a lower leg injury, and, and he unfortunately tore his ACL for the third time in four years, Patrick, on the same knee. Mm. So he's 
he's done for the year. And then Tyree Smith got a little, little banged up, I guess, against, against Texas. He's fine. He'll be playing, but yeah, they're down to nine scholarship players right now, Patrick. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, Dean, would a, would a deep run in the NIT, uh, maybe not erase, but maybe, uh, let me, let, let me, let me rephrase. Would, would a deep run in the NIT sort of cut some of the bitterness from missing the NCAA tournament? Or maybe oh, – go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I think 100% it would help. And, and I think if there's any team that can make a run, it's OSU. They can win the thing if they want, Patrick. The question is, do they want to? You know, I, I think when you look at this, the, the the top seed, they just missed out. First team out, I think that's brutal, Patrick. That's That's excruciating, and that's the word Mike Boynton used to describe it yesterday. Or on Monday, excuse me. Uh, it's excruciating to be the first team out. You almost want to be the second team out because it might hurt just a little less. But I think, you know, winning fixes a lot of things. And if they go on a run and they're probably the most capable team in the in the tournament to make a run. Um, yeah, I, I think the end goal always was from the beginning of the season, let's make the NCAA tournament. And, and when this team... They, they were in the mix, at least, until the final day. When, when they didn't make it, you know, I, I think you got to readjust goals at that point. But I need to go out and win this NIT tournament or win the NIT. I think that, that fixes a lot, Patrick. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I, I'm with you. And, you know, like you and I were talking earlier, if this team has Avery Anderson, they're, they're in the tournament. Yeah, then. Um, I think the NIT is such – I was watching last night, Patrick, just, just some NIT games because, frankly, in years past, you know, I've kind of passed on watching those games. And so I said, hey, you know what, let's let's give it a check. And, and teams care to – the way they're playing, it looks like teams care to beat it. I mean, Hofstra, Patrick, beat Rutgers, who was the one seed on the other side of the bracket. They put that pushed that game to overtime, and, and they ended up upsetting Rutgers. So – and that's the other thing, you know, I, I'm not saying OSU is is on – OSU needs to be careful going into Youngstown State because Youngstown State's a great team and or not that – I'm not saying OSU doesn't care to win this game. I'm just saying I think they're walking into a, to an environment that's going to be very interesting and, and could affect them negatively in a game that probably Patrick should have been at Gallagher-Iva this week. Will they host if they advance OSU? Yeah, so so if they win Wednesday, then they'll host the next two rounds at Gallagher Iba, the second round and the quarterfinals. And then if they get through the quarterfinals, then they go to Las Vegas for the semifinals. And if they win that, the finals. So I, I you know, OSU did what you never want to do, and that is leave your fate into the hands of the committee, um, which they did, and they justifiably did not make the tournament. However, I did think it was interesting, Dean, that Pitt got in when their net ranking was 67, OSU's was 43. When you talk quad one wins, Pitt had four, and OSU had six. Now, OSU had a lot more opportunity. They played, what, 18 quad one games, Pitt only eight, so Pitt was 500. Um, how, do you, how, how do you rectify that, looking at how Pitt got in and OSU didn't? So, yeah, I personally think it's it's an interesting case to examine, but uh, I don't really need to examine it because uh, after the Selection Sunday show, they brought the chairman on, 
to to talk about the selection committee chairman came on to to talk about i believe his name is chris reynolds they brought him onto the show to discuss some of these things and one of the topics talked about was osu being the first team out and it seems that osu playing 18 quad one games now patrick you prize what what the heck is a quad one game uh, it, it's somewhat complicated, but somewhat easy at the same time. So when we talk about that net rating, that net ranking, which factors in all kinds of things, you know, offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, uh, quality of wins, quality of losses, quality of opponent, all all these metrics get put into one number, right? And so you said OSU was, was 43 on Sunday. Um, and so we take that number. So OSU is 43 to get a quad one win, uh, if I'm, if you're OSU, if you're playing at home, that means, and to get the win, is, so you win, you're at home. If the opponent you played is between net ranking one and net ranking 30, then that counts as a quadrant one win. If you're on a neutral court, let's say we moved the game to the BOK Center and OSU was playing Arkansas and Arkansas is ranked in the top 50, then that counts as a quadrant one win. And if you're on the road, you're playing a team ranked between net ranking one and net ranking 75 that counts as a quadrant one win so it's based on where you're playing the game and where your opponent is ranked so it's super complicated i hope i made it somewhat easy to understand but anyway osu had 18 of those throughout the season they went six and 12 and it wasn't the six wins the six wins did not impress the committee it was osu had 18 opportunities and they only won six games so it seems like OSU playing all these quad one teams ended up hurting them. Whereas in a case like Pitt, I believe Pitt went four and four, Patrick. Yes. Yeah. So four and four. They only that's only eight games, but they went, you know, they split those. That I guess impressed the, the committee a little more than OSU having 18 opportunities and only winning six of them. And then he also uh Chris Reynolds also brought up that OSU. Kind of had some non-conference opportunities slip away from them. And back in November when they lost to Southern Illinois at home and they lost to UCF after being up by 17 points on, I think that was a neutral site game. But yeah, you know, I, I think back in November, people pointed to those and said, oh, these might be trouble come March. And sure enough, they proved that they proved to be trouble. Yeah. All right, Dean, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk some NCAA wrestling. So, Dean, the NCAA uh, Wrestling Championships are in town this weekend uh, at the BOK Center. Uh, what are some of the storylines you're looking at going into the weekend? This this uh, this wrestling championship is thick with storylines, Patrick, and I love storylines. But uh, I'll, I'll try to just say I'll try to I'll just throw out some of the best ones right here. Um, for OSU, I think obviously Dayton Fix. We've written about that a lot, Patrick. We've got some great stories up on our website that. If people are interested, they should go check out. But he's coming back to Tulsa. He's finished runner-up at his weight the past three times he's gone. Uh, just absolutely kind of brutal. And two of those have been against uh, Roman Bravo Young of Penn State. He's coming in as the number one seed at 133 pounds. Dayton Fakes coming in at the number two. And just kind of listening to some of the experts talk about this, both of those guys seem on a crash course to meet again for the third time in the finals and so i think i think that's a great storyline to follow if, if dayton figs can finally get over the hump in his hometown um that's a great one to follow one that's kind of come on uh 
super late in the season is Reese Whitcraft at 125 pounds. He uh, he needed to place pretty high at the Big 12 tournament a couple weeks ago. He did just that. He finished third. Uh, was able to make the uh, was able to earn a bid uh, at 125 pounds for OSU. He's going to be the number 31 seed in his bracket. Seems a little low to me. Um, doesn't seem to bother him when I talk to him about it, but it'll be interesting to see what he can do, especially at 125 where OSU's had some injuries. Uh, he's also a local kid from Broken Arrow, Patrick. And then um, just sticking with the local angle, Kenny Monday, a Tulsa legend, Booker T. Washington guy, OSU legend, his son Quincy will be wrestling for Princeton uh, this weekend at 165 pounds. Uh, he wrestled at 157 last year, finished national runner up there. So he's he's bumped up a little bit. We'll see how he does this weekend. And then also in, at 165, Wyatt Sheets for OSU. He was the only cowboy that needed an at-large bid to the national tournament. And he's going to be the number 31 seed, just like Reese Whitcraft. What's interesting about him is this is not the first time he's needed that at-large bid. And the last time he got it in 2021, he was the number 31 overall seed and he ended up finishing as an all-american the first ever guy to do that so he's been in this position before that, that's the other thing i think the overarching thing here for osu patrick is you've got all you've got 10 wrestlers you've got a wrestler at each, each weight class for the first time since 2017 and if some of these guys can maybe bat a little bit above what they're expected to do, then I'm not saying OSU can go out and, and win a team title, Patrick. I think Penn State is pretty much the heavy favorite and some crazy stuff would have to happen for, for Penn State to be knocked out. But OSU can really, you know, contend and get one of these top three, top five spots in this and, and, and really kind of end the season on a good note, especially if you get an individual champion. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, Penn State comes in as kind of, kind of a, an overwhelming favorite. They they're undefeated this year at sixteen and zero. Um, so maybe that's a good way to look at it. If you're OSU, you know, they're not really among one of the team favorites, at least not what they have been in years past. So maybe, you know, like you said, but but there's still a lot, a lot to play for, which is, I guess, is what the point you're making. And it's weird, Patrick. We say, you know, it's been a little bit since they've won a team title. It's almost been two decades. This will be 17 years since they won a team title. How is that possible? College wrestling is changing, Patrick. And, and I think I, I wrote a, a little bit about this yesterday. Um, I didn't get too crazy into it, but there's a couple trends going on in college wrestling right now that, that don't favor OSU. Um, one of which is there's just a crazy renaissance over on the Northeast, uh, just with Northeast wrestling, you know, a third of so of the past three national championships, a third of the individual champions have come from either New Jersey or Pennsylvania. There isn't the, the last uh the last OSU wrestler from Oklahoma to win a national title, an individual national title was Chris Perry in 2014. Interesting. And there's all this, you know. College wrestling is growing. I think there's there's no other way to look at it. This is a growing sport, and people are starting to really get, you know, I, I think wrestling was always kind of looked at as kind of a niche sport. The people who were into it were really into it, but it's really starting to grow. And, and I think because of that, you're starting to see a lot of parity. And I say that, but at the same time, Penn State has won, I think, nine. Yeah, they've won nine titles in the past 
12 years, minus a year because COVID canceled it in 2020. So nine of the last 11 team titles have come from Penn State. Uh, so, so I say there's parity, but also there's Penn State doing that. But I think you, you, the playing field's leveled out just a little bit. And that's why you, you, you're starting to see maybe some traditional powerhouses not struggle. I don't think OSU is struggling, but it's why you've seen kind of a more competitive field year in and year out. Yeah. Let's, uh, Dean, go back to the uh, NCAA tournament for a second. Uh, the Cowgirls are enjoying uh, a solid year under first-year coach J.C. Hoyt. Uh, what's the ceiling for them in the NCAA tournament? How far do you see them going or, or potentially going? You know, it's it's tough, Patch, because women's basketball is super top-heavy this year. Um, and and there's OSU got no favors by being on the 8-9 line because while I think – Playing against Miami, I'd probably give OSU a slight edge. I think seven out of ten times they're going to win that game, and so I'd probably say that they win on Saturday against Miami. But the problem is that second round you're going to be playing the one seed, whereas if if you're OSU and you're able to bump down or bump up to the 7-10 line, you could maybe put together a couple wins. The problem is you get this one win, and all of a sudden you have to play top-seeded Indiana. Um so they're going up to so the way women's basketball works is it's kind of like softball where you have 16 regions and the top seeds host the region. Right. And so that's the first and second round. Um, or it's easier just to say the first weekend. So they're going up to Bloomington, Indiana, where they're going to play Saturday against Miami. If they win that, then they'll more than likely unless the craziest of craziest upsets happen and the 16 seed beats the one seed. They're probably going to play Indiana in that second round. That's going to be tough, Patrick. I would probably, if I were a betting man, I would probably bet against OSU to win that game. So I say one win is doable. Um, that second round is going to be tough. But hey, I, I think no matter what, one win in the NCAA tournament in J.C. Hoyt's first year, I think that's a massive win for that program. Absolutely, you'll you'll take that, right? No doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. yeah. Uh, do we have an official start date for spring football? We do, Patrick. It is next week, believe it or not. So that <laughs> is going to be, because I've been looking at all kinds of calendars, let me double check. It is Tuesday, 21st, will be the first day of spring practice, and they will go five weeks. I won't give out a date for that or else I'm going to confuse a bunch of people. But yes, it starts next Tuesday. It's going to be interesting. It will be an interesting, probably one of the more interesting OSU spring football calendars of of recent time i'd say yeah hard hard to believe we're already to spring football not complaining mind you it's, it's always fun you know watching reading talking football but what doesn't doesn't seem quite time yet it does not but it, <laughs> that's how it feels every march you just you're you're grinding out through basketball stuff and postseason starting and then all of a sudden the sleeping giant of football gets woken up in march yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right, Dean, let's leave it there for this week. Appreciate the knowledge as always. We appreciate you checking us out. Uh, you can download us for free on Google, Apple, or Spotify. Dean and I record once a week, and we appreciate you. Dean, thanks for the knowledge. We'll talk next week. Of course.